Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello, and welcome back to the Contrast of Christianity. That's the title of this section that we're, uh, or the topic that we're using here in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. I'm just kind of working my way through the book of 1 Corinthians, and so hopefully you were here for the uh, first two segments up through, uh, let's see, chapter 1, verse 9. We're going to pick up in um, verse 10, continuing the overall theme of the contrast of Christianity. In fact, we're going to take another shot at this. You, I'm sure you don't know, but uh, I've tried recording this four different times, and for some reason I've been having trouble with my voice, and it just gives out on me about halfway through the recording, and I've had to... Uh, had to start over. In fact, one time I actually did make it through a whole recording and had to uh, delete all, or it didn't record for some reason. I don't know what happened. But nonetheless, this is our fifth attempt at trying to do this particular segment. So I don't know if Satan is just trying to stop us from doing it. But nonetheless, we are going to proceed. Contrast of Christianity. Now, this time we're going to talk about how Christians create a contrast in this world. Um, by how we build churches, because, of course, there are a number of so-called churches out there. Uh, let me just say this, um, that, and this is really a topic, I guess, for another day, but every church is not a true church just because they use that name. Just because you see a sign over a building that says uh, XYZ Church, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a biblical church. A lot of people use that name, have no idea what uh, the real concept is of a church. Of course, it comes from the word ecclesia, which uh, means you're a called-out assembly. Well, you know, assembly is easy enough to achieve, but being called out by God, specifically, is a whole other issue. Um, just because you assemble a bunch of people together, together and uh, begin to have some type of worship or service or ritual or whatever you want to do, um, it, it, that doesn't necessarily mean you are a biblical church because there are certain standards that uh, I think you should have to meet in order to be the church that Jesus built. And, uh, of course, every church is not built on biblical principle. But, again, that's a whole different subject for a whole different day. What I want to talk about, really, is the contrast that, as a Christian, that we provide to those that watch us, as in how we build churches. Um, and so there's really just a couple of points I guess I want to make. I'm going to be in verse 10, chapter 1. We're going to end up finishing uh, in chapter 2, the first five verses of chapter 2. I'm not sure if we'll get through it all today, because as I said before, we try to limit these uh, podcasts to 15 minutes. And uh, I have a feeling this is more 
subject material than we're going to um, need for 15 minutes. Anyway, what I want to talk about is, um, in, in with the idea of building churches, is that Christians are in agreement. In verse 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Well, as he goes on, let, let me just go ahead and read a couple extra other verses here to give you a, a background for why Paul is making this statement. He says in verse 11, he says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, and I am Cephas, I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So I thank God that I baptized none of you. Well, we'll get into that in a few minutes. But you see the background of what he's saying here. There was a word had gotten to him that there were divisions. And I'm sure he'll address that as we go through here. But the whole book of 1 Corinthians is Paul addressing issues that are in the church there at Corinth. Um, so these are the things that create division. But, um, you know, he's, he's saying, look, we need to be in agreement in, in verse 10 there. As I started to say, Chloe was apparently someone in the church that uh, uh, was prominent. Um, and she was probably a head of a household. I don't know, maybe her husband had uh, passed away or something of that nature. Because it says, the word come to him by members of the house of Chloe. So it wasn't necessarily Chloe herself. It was... Uh, people who served under her or worked for her or something of that nature. Doesn't necessarily even mean relatives, just could just be employees. But whatever the case, um, word had gotten to Paul through these folks that there were divisions within the church. And yet he says we should be in agreement. You know, in, in our home church, when um, we have a business meeting, mm, one of the things that um, I've always been impressed with is the vast majority of the issues that we present at our church and our business meeting are, are either passed or rejected, seldom rejected, usually passed, but done so unanimously. Um, and it's it's on you. We run our, our church attendance on Sunday runs about in the auditorium. Adults about 125. Uh, we have our business meetings after church on Sunday night, which uh, that attendance is usually about half. So you figure we get 60 or 70 people there or something like that uh, in a business meeting. Well, even that number is a large number of people to get a unanimous consent on. But we do it on a consistent basis. Occasionally you might have a dissension here or there, but you know what? I don't know that I recall since I've been there, I've been there about eight or ten years, I guess, that it's ever been an issue. If something is passed, even those who have voted against it, for the most part, will at least go ahead and support it because that's the will of the majority. They know that's what the church wants, and so they're willing to go with it. We got outvoted. Uh, and that's the way it should be. And I, and I think you can only attribute that to the guiding of the Holy Spirit, that people are at least being subject to 
<coughs> the leading of the Holy Spirit. There goes my voice again. I apologize. Hopefully, we're going to be able to make it through this uh, this recording. So anyway, he says that Christians ought to be in agreement. Now, there's some reasons for that. Some very valid reasons, not just because we hope to make this thing work, but you know, there are more underlying reasons as to why we should be in agreement. One of which, we have a common salvation. In verse 13, Paul says, look, I, he, he says, I, I didn't baptize all of you. He says, I wasn't crucified for you. Um, he says, there's a few of you that I baptized. He says, but other than that, I can't think of anybody else. But more importantly, he says, I, was, I didn't die for you. It was Christ that did that. He's our common salvation. He's the one upon which our salvation is built. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, of course, that washed away all of our sins. So we have that common salvation. And what I mean, what I mean by that is not only does it come through Christ by the same means, but we're saved from the same fate. We were all sinners on our way to hell. We had no hope of salvation, no hope of heaven, until Jesus Christ came and took our sins upon him and took him to the cross, washed him away by his blood. Uh, in addition to that, we're all saved from the same bondage because sin enslaves you. When you are subject to sin, it has a way of controlling your life. It has a way of, of um, causing you to be addicted to more sin. Um, so, you know, that makes you a slave to the things of the world uh, if you're not in Christ because you don't have the guidance that is necessary to point you in the right direction. Um, Christ is the only one that can do that. So we're saved from the same fate, we're saved from the same bondage, and as I already said, we're saved by the same means, and that's through Jesus Christ. There is no other way. You're not going to work your way to heaven. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. I don't care what you've done. I, I don't care if your good works do outweigh your bad, and I don't care if they do so by a wide margin. The fact is... They're not enough. We're saved by grace through faith. And that's that's the long and the short of it. It's the beginning and the end. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And that's that's the whole story. So we have a common salvation. Uh, those who experience um, same life and death situations form a special bond. And that makes them want to unite. That, that's what's special about a church. You know, I realize all Christians, as I said, just through saying, you know, we're saved from the same fate, the same bondage, by the same means. But there's something about a local church. And there's commonalities among all churches. But, you know, there are things that occur in a local church that make it even more special. There's a whole lot more to that that, that I don't have time to go into. But the fact is, if you unite together to build a local church, you're going to face struggles and issues and trials and hard hardships and and tests. Not to mention just labor, um, you know, that you're all going to have to share in in order to make this church grow and become something viable. And that makes it special. And, and it's like it's like a sports team. You constantly hear these teams when they win championships and so on talk about how. They have become a family and how close-knit they are and how special they are to one another. Well, that's what happens in a local church. Um, and, and we're different from the rest of the world in, in the way we build churches. It's not just a blueprint that we follow. It, there's a special relationship that exists there. It's a very personal thing. 
And it's because we have a common salvation. Of course, it follows we have a common God. In verse 17, uh, it says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. If you skip on down to verse 25, he kind of follows that with, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. So we have a common God, and this is a very special God. It's not like any other God of the world. And we're commanded to preach Christ and Him crucified and what He's done for the world. Uh, we're not sent here. We are told to baptize, but that's not our ultimate goal. We don't just baptize people because there's a criteria that should come before baptism and it's salvation. Uh, we're not here to debate one another. You know, I, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with that. Uh, now, in the days of Facebook and on which we live in, I have a lot of friends on my Facebook. I've reunited with several people from my high school, which, you know, that's 50 years ago. Um, and I enjoy reacquainting myself with them and getting caught up with, you know, what they've done with their lives and that sort of thing. But the fact is, we have very differing opinions on a lot of issues. Some of them very strong, different opinions. And so I see them post things that I guess they're important to them. And it's not like they're not important to me, but they're not the most important thing. My, my goal in life is to win people to Christ. And so I want people to see Christ through me. So, um, you know, but, but I see these things that they post and, and they get upset. I mean, I, I'm a Trump supporter I, and I'm a Republican um, and, and I support basically the, the, you know, the basic concepts of, of uh, Republicans. But um, and, and, and so I see the, I see the left, you know, I'm very right leaning. So I see the things from the left and, and how hateful they are and some of the things that they post. And so naturally I get upset about them because they're contrary to what I believe. So I struggle with not trying to retaliate, not trying to debate them on those issues uh, because that's not my calling. My calling is to show Christ and, and let people see Christ through me. So I really have to work at not debating people. We're, we're not here to ritualize uh, our worship. Uh, we have to make sure that it's pure and focused on Jesus Christ, and we're not just going through the motions. Uh, we're not here when we're talking about the subject of building churches just to organize. Um, this organization is good. God is not the author of confusion, but that's that's not our primary purpose. Churches exist to win the lost and to equip saints so that they can win the lost. You know, we, we're taught and trained and 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 um, <clears throat> and educated in, in a manner in which we can share the gospel and, and win people to Christ. You know, every decision we make has to be geared toward that. Um we also have a common goal. Verse 18, or verse 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. Um, we have a, a, a common manual. Um, we have God's Word. It's our instruction. It, it's, it's our guide. Uh, the Holy Spirit's not directly mentioned in this passage, but... He clearly empowers all the saved. He does not lead us to be in disagreement. We've kind of touched on that once before or earlier in this message, but um, 
<coughs> pardon me again, we're different from the world in that manner. So uh, I hope you can see that, that we have that common guide. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. <coughs> I'm getting close to, in fact, I'm over my 15 minutes, so I'm probably going to have to stop there. And again, I apologize for a couple of times I've had to stop and cough, but um, at least we've gotten this far and we can pick up again probably in verse 19 in our next segment. I hope you'll stay tuned or at least watch for when uh, we broadcast again. Thank you and God bless.